Welcome to Double Burst, a podcast about Dice Masters. We are a group of Utah players that want to bring you the latest Dice Masters news, strategies, tips, and more. Whether you're a new or seasoned player, we hope this show has something for you. I'm KT Data, one of your hosts, and welcome to episode 45. In this episode, we'll be talking about our hidden gem, the Satchel of Unlimited Weaponry, a beginner's guide to aggro, and wrapping it all up with a brand new roundtable segment, Brewing Buddies. So let's kick it off with our hidden gem and the Satchel of Unlimited Weaponry. Okay, we are here with Ken Paul. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing well. Um, we're doing our hidden gem a little bit early this month, but it is a card that you actually used yesterday and you've used successfully on multiple occasions. Yeah, it's it's my personal favorite card from the Deadpool set. Yeah, so it is the Satchel of Unlimited Weaponry, Chimichanga, which is the rare yeah. um, in the set. And it has the ability to deal two damage, which you reminded me quickly as you smashed my face. Yeah, yeah. when you tried to only take one yeah. per, it was, I yeah. know. To target character, die, or player for each action, die in your field zone. The reason I forget is because I've the last time I played you with it, you just had all this gear around that just, it didn't matter. Yeah, when I build for it, I can usually <laughs> hammer about once or twice, and it's done. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, uh, so where do we want to kind of start in terms of building a satchel, rare satchel team? Well, so it triggers, it, it uses other actions that are in the field, which means continuous actions. You want to get continuous actions. Um, if your entire goal is to use a satchel to win, which I have done and it's really fun, uh, you want to get cheap continuous actions. Uh, the best place that I've found those is the gear from especially the first D&D set. They don't have an energy type, so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you roll. You can buy up gear, which yeah, is and, and who really br- fun. Yeah, and who brings gear removal on their team? To yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the gear is really hard to remove whether you have it equipped to, an, to a character or not. Um, I did notice something with the wording of, uh, of Gadgeteer in the Batman spoilers that... It could make the satchel even stronger. Um, With Gadgeteer, it says when this character attacks, you can roll and field an action from your use pile. If that only works with continuous die, then, or with continuous actions, then Gadgeteer is a bit of a dud, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But if using an action is is considered fielding it, and that works for anything, then any action that you field before satchel could be used for satchel, it would seem. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's purely speculative, but uh, yeah, I, we'll, that, we'll see how that Gadgeteer goes. Gadgeteer is one of those keywords I'm actually keeping an eye on with the WizKids website under their keyword page because they've done it before where you've seen it written one way on the card, but if you look on the website, which is where you should be referencing your keywords, oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they, they'll, they'll, they'll clean it up clean it up a little bit so it makes a little bit more sense on yeah. what they were trying to yeah, do. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that gets implemented. But for now, um, I use continuous actions. Um, I built a, a team that would now be a Golden Age team. Mm-hmm. So the question is, with the gear, do you equip it with anything or do you kind of just leave it strewn? Um, well, the with the gear, there's some really good things to, that you can do with it while, while equipping it. So there's a, uh, a half-orc fighter that, while he's active, de- gear dice cost you two less to purchase to a minimum of one. That's a huge discount. I mean, he's a three-cost fist. 
and he can be equipped with that gear. So when you equip him with a magic helmet so he can't be affected by your opponent's action dice or character abilities, and you equip him with the basic action chainmail armor so that he gets plus four defense and cannot be affected by opposing one fielded effects, and maybe throw on a ring so that he has regenerate. <laughs> He's almost like and a rock in the middle of the field. Exactly. Throw in a human paladin. Also, while he's active, your characters in the field cannot be affected by global abilities used by your opponent. You equip both of those with the uh, the other, uh, all the equipment, and you've got two things that are almost impossible to remove. And then you're just trying to cycle that uh, that satchel. The satchel itself costs five. It's good to try and get some sort of uh, action cost reduction uh, in Golden Age. Thousand Dragon is a great thing to add on there to get your to get those going as soon as you can. You know, because mm-hmm. the gear itself that that's probably where the gear also helps is because it has the two energy phase. So if you don't roll it that yeah. turn, yeah. you could use it to. Buy a satchel instead. Yeah, the the tack that I've kind of taken that I've found to be the most effective is I'm using continuous actions that with the satchel. So what continuous actions can I use that are the most disruptive in general? Um, more recently, Cold Gun is amazing for that. Uh, there's a couple of Eye of Agamotto's from the Doctor Strange team pack that can be really useful, one that taxes or one that pings your opponent for one whenever they use a basic action, that can be really handy. Um, the vibranium shields are good. The uh, As we discovered during a segment. Right. <laughs> Turtle Van is amazing for it. Turtle Van makes it so if your opponent's plan is to attack and do combat damage... Yeah, so Overcrush is just Especially if it's with Overcrush, all you need to get in the field is sidekicks and you know throwing a cold gun or two throwing uh, a couple of turtle vans, and all of a sudden a, a couple of sidekicks in your field is a wall that's almost impossible to get past. So uh, I try to find the actions that I feel will most disrupt my opponent using, like, gear basic actions or uh, turtle van can kind of catch some people off guard. Man of Steel that is, is uh, from the World's Finest set, that one is really, really similar to... Uh, the turtle van that one's prevent up to two damage to target character die and move this to your use pile if you have an active super character also gain one life no one's going to buy that like mm-hmm. most people aren't even familiar with it you might get someone that will buy up your turtle vans if they're familiar with it but at three cost man of steel no one buys that so yeah, it, and if you play against dr j he'll bring a trusted friend and you could maybe even use the second part of that to gain some life well also I know in Prime, I haven't looked for it as much in Modern yet, but in Prime, the only uh, action reduction that I know of is the Superman from Green Arrow Flash. I don't remember if he's Superman affiliated, though. Let me see. Uh, He's Justice League affiliated, but there is a Superman that reduces uh, action dice by two, and that's the only action reduction I know of in Prime. Um, when you get into modern, you've also got things like lantern ring seems unnecessary to me. Um, lantern, but it, but it lantern you, battery can be really yeah. handy. Uh, like I said, the vibranium shields can be really good. Um, cold gun is awesome with it because 
You, it just makes your opponent question everything that they do. Mm-hmm. All and the while, you're trying to cycle. Uh, some of the characters that really can help the satchel, um, Storm, the rare Storm from the, the Deadpool set is I great. I love that card. Yeah, she's awesome. I mean, uh, if you've got a good ramp plan and you're playing Golden Age, uh, Doctor Strange from AVX could be really good. Any Anything that helps you with actions. There's a Baron Zemo and a Scarlet Witch that will both... You pay one when you use an action. You can move it to your prep area. That keeps your satchel going again if you can't get uh, enough field presence with your other actions. There's a lot of really fun things to do, and I've noticed consistently that the first time I play a satchel team against someone, they have no idea what they're looking at. Like, no one has looked at it and went... Okay, I see exactly what you're doing. They usually go, what's this? And then after I <laughs> ping them once or twice with the satchel for 12 points on a turn, they go, what just happened? Why did you do that? <laughs> it blindsides people. And it's also re- like there's very little to that you can do about that damage coming in. Um, I mean, there are some things, especially when you get into the Golden Age, like Phoenix, or no, not Phoenix Force. Uh, there's, some, there's some things that reduce. There's like, a like Captain, Captain America. America. Um, or, or, or if somebody's actually playing the super rare Lex Luthor from World's Finest, that could stop it because it's all you know that you have to at least do one damage physically to them. Kind of the cool thing about Satchel though is you can do the damage to your opponent or one of their characters. So if they've got Captain America reducing the the damage that they take, pick Captain America, take him out of the field, deal him ten damage on a turn. Um, it's just a crazy fun team to play, and it. Depending on how you build it, you can build it to be a little bit faster. You can build it to be a little more aggressive. I've found that uh, being as disruptive as possible with all my other actions and characters, it gives me the time and just grinds the game to where my opponent is helpless and they're just waiting for me to get the rolls that I need. Mm-hmm. So k- kind of speaking, because I know you're always kind of working, tinkering. W- what's your current iteration of your tactical team kind of look like? Um. Well... I pretty much broke it down with the with my Golden Age team that I really, really did a lot of work with. Um, modern Age, I'm looking at that Superman to reduce the cost of action dice. Um, Cold Gun, Eye of Agamotto, uh, Storm, um, maybe Scarlet Witch. I haven't mm-hmm. fully She's, decided. I, I run into that issue too where I'm like, She's good to have, but I don't seem to be using yeah. her as often as I think I would. Um, I like Turtle Van is awesome. I like Man of Steel with it. Uh, have you been considering Lady Deadpool? I've considered it, but if I'm paying five, why would I not just buy, buy another, satchel? another satchel? Like That's kind of the, the problem. Even with Superman... He's expensive. Like, the good thing is that he's a big body, and having a big body or two in the field is really handy with this because your your characters are there just for defense. They're just to take hits from your opponent. So having someone that's big in the field that can't go anywhere is handy. You know, he's a six cost, so he's a little bit on the expensive side, but reducing the cost of your action dice by two helps with everything else about the team a lot. So... um yeah, I like I like the Superman. I try to get him on there. Um, really, with how much we've been drafting and focusing on the PDC draft, I haven't had a lot of time to really get into modern. I had a pretty tight prime team mm-hmm. built for the satchel that uh, 
but having that one extra set, you know, changes a lot because you have a lot more options. Well, there's a few. Yeah. I mean, that brings back some of the gear from the second D&D set. That brings back um, War of Light has a few continuous basic actions. It brings back some stuff going into modern, and I, j- I haven't fully massaged out the team. I've, I've been looking at Lantern Battery, taxing mm-hmm. my opponent for their blockers. Maybe not that one. Uh, the one that you can reduce the damage that you take f- by specific energy type characters with the energy that you have in your reserve pool. I think it's the uncommon. Mm-hmm. That one would could be great, you know, because, again, you're just looking to survive while your satchels cycle. So there's a lot of options. There's a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, the storm is awesome in modern or prime. Um, yeah, I, just, I love the satchel. It's yeah. my favorite no, thing. It's I, so, I, I, I love was, it. And, and one thing I want to mention, actually, before we go, can you tell people what you named your team for your satchel team? Uh. Well, so for, for all the, all the fans who watched King of the Hill before, yeah, there's there's an episode of King of the Hill where Bobby Hill get, gets into a a women's self defense class, and all throughout the episode, many times he's yelling, "That's my purse! I don't know you!" And then we'll kick the attacker in the crotch, <laughs> and I don't know you. That's my purse. That's my, <laughs> I, I found uh, like a. a clip of that on YouTube and I would be like my team is called and hit play so you could hear <laughs> Bobby Hill say that uh, and yesterday that was the the star it got me into the top four of a PDC draft of yeah, Deadpool like, like you beat me in probably less yeah, than 10 minutes I, <laughs> easily. I did not get the flying car that I would like to I mean I had continuous basic actions and that was really it and it still was a workhorse for me Yep. All right. So, and kind of speaking of brewing and uh, tinkering with teams, we'll have you on a little bit later to talk about that in our new segment. Um, and then we'll actually have you on our next yeah. one where we'll be talking. There's going to be a lot of me on this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, which is, is a, a fan requested one. Is we're going to give you guys a beginner guide to aggro teams. Okay. We are back with Ken Poole and Dr. J. How are you gents doing today? Doing really good. Um, yeah. So this segment was actually requested, um, and i sorry to who requested it because I can't remember your name, but somebody requested that we kind of do sort of like we did for our control segment was a beginner's guide to an aggro team. Um, to I mean, so can you want to kind of just break down what an aggro team is? So aggro is obviously short for aggressive and it's just playing aggressive you're attacking a lot you're doing a lot of direct damage uh i kind of view aggro has a couple of subsets mostly you're talking either a rush where you're trying to get as many characters in the field and attack as quickly as you can or there's also more direct damage aggro when you're trying to get your ring and a few characters out or um or or and i and i would say probably another one is kind of more of like a beat stick where, you know, you're, yeah. it's it's a little bit of rush, but you're trying to get those big characters with big attacks. Yeah, out. when you're when you're trying to race to get like your Hal Jordan and King Shark out at the same time, like that yeah. that can mm-hmm. definitely be an and, aggro thing if you can plan it right to get those guys out in two or three turns. Yeah, and I th- I think probably the best example of that is the Guy Gardner from Moralite, 
where yeah. when he must attack each turn. So that's already, you know, you're yep, more your rush. I mean, yep. that, that's a no-brainer aggro right there. Mm-hmm. And then he gets plus one attack for each other attacking die. So it kind of encourages you to just yep. keep attacking. He, he gets bigger, and uh, it with that, it encourages you to attack with everything. So, uh, you know, your guy Gardener might be getting blocked every single turn because he's a monster, but the two sidekicks and the one other little guy are probably going to get through for, you know, three or four damage. That's when you may want to have a transfer power and a couple shields ready to go or something like that. Yeah, yep. There's, I mean, there's there's a ton of options. Um, I've definitely played a lot of aggro. I like to... I like to make a fast game. I like to uh, deny my my opponent the opportunity to get their game plan going. Um, yeah, I, con- I, as, as strong as control is in this game, it's nice to know that you were able to essentially just m- punch your way nullify. to victory. Yeah. You know, you you couldn't control me because it was over before your pieces were in mm-hmm. play. Yeah, uh, and and I would say aggro is probably the more kind of play type. Newer players will start with just because with control you have to have a fair understanding of the mechanics of so many different cards because you've got to know how to control them yeah you got to kind of know the nuts and bolts of um aggro aggro is the way that like seven and eight year old players play you know they feel you calling me a seven and eight year old player i attack i attack i attack (laughs) i attack every turn (laughs) having having kids i would say that it's either that or they want to wall up which is yeah not aggro no matter how fast they <laughs> no matter how fast they get that wall built um i lo- i love aggro uh like there's the guy gardener is awesome for aggro uh cheetah is another good solid aggro uh cuz she deals so, one da- one damage each time she attacks exactly so, so whether whether she gets blocked or whatever you know if if she goes through she's doing two three or f- two or three possibly yeah. four yeah. i don't mm-hmm. uh if she gets blocked, she's either going to get knocked out and you can try it again next turn, or she's not going to get knocked out and you can definitely do that one damage again next turn. Uh, same kind of thing with Serena from the first. Oh man, yeah, she was the she was the the she was the gold standard. Yeah, for gold standard for aggro. Yeah, because yeah, sure. kind of the common thread with a lot of all these aggro teams, it forces your opponent to be more defensive. They're yeah. not really doing their plans. They're they're trying to either you know wall up themselves or they have to figure out okay, I need to field this character to stop that character, all the while where you may have more, even more of those characters coming out. So they may only stop one when you have like yeah. three of them. If you run into a situation where, you, where you're rolling like five dice, like a character and four sidekicks, and you roll four question marks and some energy on your character, and you re-roll everything because you need characters in the field, you're probably playing against an aggro team at that point. And, you know, that's, that's the, the essence of what an aggro team is. It's like, I want to put them on the defensive, make their waste their dice on stuff that's not going to help them progress in the game. Like, if yeah. they're busy fielding sidekicks, they're not buying anything. They're not able to get their win condition on the field, and that's the whole purpose it's, of it. It all kind of comes down to that, that thing that Russ has said so many times of forcing your opponent to make decisions they don't want to make. Um, do I let... 10 plus damage come through this turn and clear your field or do I clear my field trying to block it and I know you're just if you refield those you're just going to attack again and I know you've got other things in your bag that you're going to attack with next turn like how much am I willing to sacrifice to try and stop you what can I do to come back from you know a point deficit or a pattern whatever you know if if aggro if it's not fast enough to end the game, sometimes it still can be 
uh, just oppressive enough that if you're attacking with five characters every turn and their five characters are getting knocked out at some point, someone's not fielding characters. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, yeah. can, it can be disrupted to the pattern of the game or set a different pace than what they're Yeah, and getting at. a point deficit early sometimes can just throw your opponent off. Because I've had a couple times, because my, my favorite card to play aggro is the rare Miguel O'Hara, and he, he has a four or a five attack. So if I have two of them on the field, there's been a couple times my opponent hasn't got anything on the field, and I was just trying to buy him as fast as I could. I attack with two, I'm like, you're down to ten life already. Yeah, and being in that situation is is really hard. I mean, it it not only puts you on the defensive, but it also puts your opponent on like on edge and makes them really start to second guess their decisions at that point. For instance, when we were playing in the PDC a few days ago, I was playing a guy and I I can't remember his name. It was a newer a, a guy that I'd only met that day, but he had this fast aggro team, and I had brought heroic defense as one of my basic actions, and he had these was like third turn rolled three sidekicks thing you know and it's like oh well i guess i'll keep them fields fields them and had my heroic defense in the next turn like hit me for eight damage because he threw a wall of sidekicks at me and i was like oh man it's like turn four and i'm already down to 12 yeah like it, it, that, that early yeah. pressure can it can take your head out of the game it can be discouraging it can be uh i mean in the game, it can be hard to come back from, but in your own head, it can be hard to come back from. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So say somebody wants to kind of build more of an aggro team. What are kind of key pieces they may want to be looking at? Guy Gardner, obviously, is one of them. Um, you're looking for, uh, like I said, you kind of want to look at either either direct damage or cheap beat sticks or cheap characters. With a Guy Gardner, your best bet is to... You know, pair, Get, pair him with a big entrance or pair him with the commentary realm. Big entrance and a Miri and throw in like, you know, morphing jars, kobolds, like anything to get more small bodies into the field to buff him up. And, and characters who do, do boost like the gnome ranger yeah. or, you know, bard, yeah. um, things like things like that right yeah. yeah be ready to transfer power things like that to get that through or throw in a, a hulk out or something else to give them over crush um more of the direct damage cheetah firestorm um what's some other of the good direct damage i mean if you've got if you've got some some money laying around or if you've got some of the older sets Gobby, Serena were both great for doing Mm -hmm. direct damage in a hurry. Um, The Lantern Ring can... Yeah, especially with the Bolt team. It it can be extremely aggressive. Uh, There's there's a lot of options, and, I mean, you can even build pretty good around, uh, like, a swarm mechanic and just swarm a bunch of goblins... And whenever you have more than one, you're attacking, you know, and try and get more than one out so that you're attacking and cycling them and just overwhelm your opponent with swarm even. Yeah, and is yeah. it uh, the uncommon flying car that gives a plus two attack oh, when you feel yeah, the yeah, same yeah. character? Yeah, that, that's, that's a nice. really good one on an aggro team. If you can get uh, a few of the same character fielded, you can buff them up pretty huge and pretty fast. Yeah. I find that when you're building an aggro team, one of the things that you're doing is you're finding basically a main piece to build around, so a guy gardener or whatever your your win condition character is, and then you want the rest of your team to be either support or some kind of control that can 
help you out against your opponent. Because if just, you, you know, just of, to slow them, sometimes you just need that one more turn, right? Yeah. Where you can have a big attack. Or they could yeah. possibly get like one or two characters out that just lock your team down and they they can get it out pretty quick. You need some kind of removal or something in order to be able to open their field back up and get that damage through again. So I find things like energy fixers are really good on an aggro team. I like him on my doom. I like one on my doomsday team because doomsday is a five cost, but he's my beat stick aggro. And so what I do is if I feel a sidekick on my first or second turn, you know, you roll four dice, spin him down and buy doomsday. You know, you can get a five cost character really quick with that kind of, you know, with that kind of thing. So I would say find something, a little bit of control to go with it just in case they lock you down and then have most of your team support your aggro win condition. I, I know that, and I've, it's come up in conversations with Russ, sort of the different ways that we approach uh, team building. I approach with a more aggro mindset. I always start with how do I want to win? And then I work back from there uh, where Russ tends to approach. I want to do a thing, whatever that thing is. I have this three-card combo I want to make work. Exactly. I need to build you around know, this three-card combo. And, and I haven't then, heard him say three-card combo in a while. It's more <laughs> like eight-card combo. And then, and then from there, Russ is trying to figure out how to make that combo win, where I start off with, I want to win by doing this thing. How do I make that happen faster and more efficiently and more consistently and easier and all of that? So approaching with a how I want to win mindset pushes me towards aggro play it yeah. always has and it always will like there are times where i try to build control but i have to uh kind of ignore the win con to build control yeah so when when you're focused on how and what you want to do to win i feel like that puts you more towards an aggro mindset also, if you're, if you're playing an aggro team, something that a trap that I fall into every once in a while is I get scared that I'm going to leave my field open. And so I won't attack early on because I'm like, okay, if I leave my field open, then that's going to be bad. It's something that I've been working on. And I've realized, you know, if I have an empty field, it's, it's okay at yeah. the beginning of the game if I attack, deal you seven damage, and I have nothing in the field because odds are you're not going to be able yeah. to deal that damage back to me. I'll get the guy back out, hit you again, hit you again, and it doesn't uh, matter yeah. if I'm down to two life at the end of the game as long as you're at zero. Yeah, do you know how I usually get over that now? Mm -hmm. Is I will actually look what's in their bag. It's like, okay, well, if you're not having anything on, anything on the field, more than likely there's going to be eight, eight sidekicks diluting whatever's in their bag. So yeah. what did they buy? Did they, did they, are they playing aggro? Did they buy anything big or not? It, it, to me, if I know there's nothing like that's going to do me like 12 damage that turn, it is totally worth me to, to attack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, there's been many times where I've taken, you know, if I'm the second player and I roll, you know, three sidekicks, if I'm playing an aggro build and at that point I've whiffed the roll, if I'm rolling three sidekicks on my first turn, but I'm the yeah. second player, if I'm playing aggro, I'll swing with them. Like get them yeah. out of my, I don't need them there. I, I would much rather do yeah. that three damage to you and put you on your back foot to start off with and just keep it going and attack as fast as I can. Or you can take that role, put those characters in the field so that your bag is less diluted so you can get your fast, your, mm -hmm. your important yeah. characters that you want to cycle through your bag more. Yeah. Pair that with something like a heroic defense or something that can beef your sidekicks a little bit, oh, and yeah. you throw it at them, and they can't block, and they're going to take another chunk of damage yeah. from the sidekicks. If, if you've got a better uh, attack strategy with only characters that you purchase, let your, like you were saying, let your uh, 
dilute your bag by fielding your sidekicks and just leave those as the blockers if you're worried. Attack with your actual purchase characters and leave your sidekicks as blockers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we've kind of ta- talked about how to kind of build and stuff. So this is probably the other side of it. How do you defend against an aggro team, especially for new players where they're like, well, they just keep punching and punching. What do I do other than field characters, right? Uh, the best defense against aggro is uh, quickly getting an oppressive control environment. If you can, um, like Lockjaw can be really hard for, for a aggro team to deal with if they're swarming the field with a bunch of small characters and you can consistently knock those out at the start of your turn. Yeah. All you got to do is keep those characters there. Um, if you can prevent attacking or blank characters or tax people, like there's a lot of the control elements. It's kind of about, uh, you, you kind of want to look for, yeah, see what their keystone is. Like say they have guy Gardner on the field. That's, that's their win condition. That's kind of their big thing. You, you, you know, you may want to look at the field. How can I lock down that guy Gardner or, look at his ability, how can I get rid of his other characters so he's most likely feeling sidekicks and stuff to get that boost? So right. can I ping off those sidekicks so he doesn't get that boost before he attacks? Yeah. Something that, that I found worked really well in, in the PDC this last week is if their aggro is to attack you with characters constantly, having fast characters in the field works really well because, it first of all, it scares them from attacking because they're like, I'm not going to get anything out of this. Your characters are going to stay in the field and mine are going to go to the prep area and I'm going to clear the field. So Maybe an option is to scare them away from attacking. I found that to work really well. I had the uncommon Hydra Bob on my team, and lots of times people were like, well, I'm not attacking. I mean, he's just not going to do anything. I still attacked. Yeah, you still attacked. <laughs> we were playing with heroic defense where if your characters get KO'd, you gain life back, though, and so it was like a life gain battle. Yeah. Um, but, t- but typically, I mean, if you have a fast character, they're going to net nothing, so they're not going to want to attack in that situation. Uh, if, if you can... Uh, either control them out of the if you can get your control pieces one or two good control pieces in play before they can get the aggro flow going that can mess up aggro that has messed me up really bad a lot of times or if you can do something like using fast characters to discourage the aggro mindset you know um most aggro builds struggle in the long game yeah like like yeah. My, my motto is when you're playing aggro you're gonna go big early or you're going home <laughs> exactly you know um the best aggro games are i mean we had we were all very tired of the bard influenced turn three and four meta that we've had yeah. for a while and that's exactly that's that, that's like that's that the, is you know all day that is that's your gold standard aggro. right there yeah. is where you want to you go. know um to me, when, I, when I'm building really aggro, I've learned I've fallen in so many long games that I try to put in something to help me out later. But if I am not well on my way to victory around my fifth or sixth turn, if I'm playing aggro, I'm, it gets in my own head. I'm, I'm feeling defeated at yeah. that point. Yeah. You know, I may or may not be able to pull out the win, but around turn five or six, if I don't feel like I'm on my way and I've got pieces in play and, and and other things flowing through my bag and what have you. If I'm not well on my way, I'm starting to question it and I'm starting to panic. Yeah. So if you can delay aggro, that can hurt it. An- yeah. Another, um, another thing that I would say when you're, when you're playing against aggro players, if they attack you early and take you down by like 10 or 12, 
that's not always a necessarily a bad thing. You know, they've just emptied their field a little bit. If you have some characters there and you're thinking, I'm either I'm going to block these or let them through, maybe just let them through so that way you can build your field a little bit. And having a, f- a field, having a wall can really slow down aggro teams. So if you get down to eight early on, it might not be that bad because, I mean, I've played games against aggro players where I'm down to like six and I take and control, they just, they just and they can't deal yeah, any damage after that. that last like, six. Okay, yeah. well, you have six for the rest of the game until, or I'll have six for the rest of the game until I get you to zero. And never forget that your life is a resource, and you can win with just one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you don't need to be at 20 on turn five. You can be at one on turn two, if that's a way, if there's a yeah. way to make that happen. You can be at one life on turn two and still win. I remember, I remember we were, I was playing against... Uh, one of one of our our friends who used to play here like uh, i don't know it might have been a year ago but he had a serena team and he got three of them out and i had been like i'd been spinning them down spinning my characters down the entire time trying to stop the damage and he attacks and i'm like you know something i'll just take whatever it is 12 or whatever let them go through his bag was getting gubbed up with actions or other things and so it took him a while to get them back out and by that time i was able to pull out my counter shut down his serena and I ended up winning. So sometimes taking a big chunk of damage against an aggro player is not a bad strategy. Yep. Yeah. That, that, if you can mess up their tempo, if you, if you have a solid counter and you know, I just need to get this out. I just need a little bit longer. Sometimes like, like a joker or something. Yeah. Then take the damage, letting, letting their whole use, letting everything go into their use pile and, and filling up their bag with all kinds of stuff that can totally mess up the aggro tempo. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys, uh, thank you so much for kind of giving us this primer to aggro. If you guys are a new player or you just have questions on how to get into the world of aggro or defend, shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Um, and, gentlemen, I will see you in a second where we're going into – I don't even know what – this is a new segment we're going to introduce. So we're going into <laughs> the lab to kind of brew, yeah, a, brew a new something team like or something. Yeah. Okay, we are back with the full crew right now. We have the KO King, Dr. J and Ken Bull. Gentlemen, welcome. Um, I'm excited because this is a new segment that we want to kind of create, and I haven't thought of an idea of a name. I was thinking about Brewing Buddies or Brewing With You. The idea of this segment is that we're going to bring two teams together. They're not fully baked teams, and we just kind of want to discuss ideas what, what may or may not work on the team um, in terms of it. So... Russ, you brought the teams for this kind of segment. And what we want to hear after this is we want to hear you guys send in your teams and we'll discuss about that too and help you kind of brew together a team also. So, And, r- and if you've got info to help us round out our teams, yeah. like, yeah. please do. Yeah, you know? and yeah. We're, we're always looking for input from everybody yeah. else. Take, I mean, th- I think that makes better teams, right, is when you take get a these lot of eyes ide- on it. Take these ideas, build them your own way, test them. If, if you hear something that, like, inspires you and you think of something that you can really build around, Give it a try. Try it out. Uh, send it back to us. Unleash it on your own meta and blame, <laughs> yeah. blame us if you want. I mean, this, <laughs> this is my favorite thing about Dice Masters, and this is what we do as a group. This is what this, we this used was, to do this before is pretty the podcast. Much, yeah, this is the impetus of the podcast is us sitting around for like two hours just talking about what we could put on a team. Two? Two hours. I, I, I was... I, yeah. I remember like nine hour <laughs> brew sessions with Russ sitting around my table, just like going, oh, "Okay, well, we got to try this now." Well, I didn't right. want well, them to think we're that crazy, but okay. Yeah, whatever. We record a weekly podcast. <laughs> we're clearly into the game. So, so Russ, you want to introduce the first team that you kind of brought for us to kind of think about? So I know at least three of us 
myself, Ken, and you, KT, are all brewing, you know, this team, at least the base of it, but trying different things. And this is all based on Batman Speedy Recovery. And he reads, Vengeance, whenever you take damage, KO a Batman die and return it to the field at level two. So the day after the WKO, I was going through to decide what to start brewing. And this Batman that I think a large number, including myself, thought was terrible. It's like, why would you, you know, when is this ever going to happen, right? Right. And I really regretted not reading it before because I think he is perfect for villain retaliation. I just think you could, you know, use the the Luke Cage Global, which we're all using. So basically pay a fist. He gets KO'd. Whatever villains you have out, you retaliate. And you just keep doing that because based on Alfred ruling that says he keeps his affiliation, you'd only need to make, make Batman a villain once. And it could get really nasty. Sounds like a slightly slower version of the uh, Vicious Struggle team where you're taking a damage, but your opponent's taking more than one damage, and then you just do that enough times yep. until they die. But, yep. but you're also taking the Vicious Struggle element away from it. Yeah, exactly. So, so you don't it's share a, it. It's a far more one-sided, more controlled yeah. version. So yeah. I, and it also actually makes the Luke Cage global more one-sided too because right. if your opponent wants to use it, guess what? You're triggering that Batman also. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, and especially like with the uh, doing it with retaliation, if for some reason you can get Batman to be a villain on their turn and they try doing the Luke Cage global, you're going to wreak havoc on him on their turn too. Yep. Yeah, so I'm using right now Luke Cage bulletproof. While Luke Cage is active the first time each turn take damage, they must KO a sidekick, your opponent, and then the global will pay a fist, deal one to each each player. And then... uh, So originally I brought this and we played a bunch of casual games... Uh, this was during our chaos draft, and then I think Ken brought it up. He was like, "Why aren't you using Dick Grayson?" Oh, yeah. I was like, "I'm not sure." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that rare Dick Grayson, where whenever a Bat Family character is KO'd, he gets plus two, plus two, and deals his combat damage to your opponent instead of blockers, even if blocked until end of turn. You do like three of the Luke Cage globals, he's huge, and he's essentially unblockable. Like it's And your opponent's already taken three damage. Yeah, your, your opponent's already taken three damage. He has been inflated from, you know, yeah, three, he starts, five, or yeah. six by an additional six. You know, like, it does not take much once you get both Dick Grayson and that Batman into the field at the same time. So what I've been struggling with, and I don't know if you have, like, I'm winning games with this team, but I'm... I think I've lost one. I'm not winning with, with Dick Grayson. With Dick Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> and so that bothers you a lot, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> when I've played with it, I made Dick Grayson the focus. And the biggest problem that I had was getting Dick Grayson and Batman in yeah, the field that's, the same time. That's, that's I the problem get where I was roll. running into. Yeah. I brought in uh, mutation or polymorph. And mm-hmm. like that helped. Like as soon as I made that swap i was like okay i do have i'm on to something it's definitely not polished at all yet but uh i used that i used uh some swarming goblins to get more fists for luke cage i used uh i put in raven yeah i have raven in mind control yeah. because both dick grayson and batman are mask characters 
um, that can be crucial that, you know, your opponent can't take them out of the field right. or whatever before you're So ready. everything I have on my team is a mask except for Luke Cage and mindless one if I keep it on. Mm-hmm. So I also have the yeah. two-cost mindless one. When I field, I take, take a, a damage. damage. So I field, and then Batman gets KO'd. And, and what I've been doing to actually win the games is using the rare Baron Zemo with resistance that if a, a character on my team is KO'd, then he is unblockable. So basically, I want to get to Dick Grayson, but if they don't have a stop to Baron Zemo, yeah, like he's unblockable every time I deal one damage. The one issue that I'm that I have faced is I it's kind of a risky game because you're Luke Caging all the time. So I've had really close ones. So and I fought this for a long time because it's my go-to basic action, but I'm going to put heroic defense on it. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But heroic defense is going to give me, when I actually pay a fist to deal us damage, I'm actually gaining a life. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because he's KOing. Because he's going to KO at level two Yeah. every time. So I net gain one and buff my Baron Zemo up. Yeah. I so. I almost feel like you're playing with the Baron Zemo. I almost feel like Dick Grayson is just kind of fluff on the team. Dick Grayson you, you have a, yeah. so unnecessary. You have a solid win condition. Luke Cage, you're pinging them down, 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 down. You hit them with Baron Zemo. You know, you hit them with Baron Zemo a couple of times. They're going to be at like four life at that point. I know. And what do you need Dick Grayson for? So Dick Grayson almost seems because like he's he, on the team because, because if you whiff a roll and have yeah, six energy, you really buy cool. him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. really cool. But take Baron Zemo off if you're going to make him the win condition. Yeah, I, I've kind of stayed like Baron Zemo's probably faster. I've kind of stayed uh-huh. away from that because I really I, 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 there's there's a little Timmy in me. There just wants <laughs> to to make Dick Grayson just an absolute monster and swing in with one yeah, unblockable right. huge. He's like a twenty four power, and you're already <laughs> down by six from Luke Cage. Uh, I, it's fun to do the overkill. Yeah. If I was going into competitive, I'd probably be looking more at making Baron Zemo work with it than Dick Grayson. Yeah. Also, but, um, how are you getting the fists to pump? To, to basically pump them up by using the Luke Cage global, just rolling them on sidekicks and hoping for it. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't take much because you only need. I mean, if he's one on his top, turn. if he's on his top level and you get two fists, he's going to go up to ten. But it's like if you want to hit him with a, a big, a See, big time right. Dick Grayson, where, you're going to need more fists. Where I've been really focused on Dick Grace, and I bring in the swarming goblins, right? Uh, where he's more focused on Baron Zemo, you're attacking with Baron Zemo every turn that you do it, so you only need one fist. Hmm. I almost, I almost feel like you might as well just bring Dick Grayson and bring Goliath with the global I've, and I've then pay the fist to, to pump him up that yeah. way. I mean, it almost seems like it'd be less of a hassle. I've looked at that and just doing a, a pump-up global. Yeah. You know, because then the Baron Zemo is going to be... But then you need some way more. to KO a Bat Family character or something in order to make his ability trigger Batman. It's really well, weird yeah. also to be yeah. brewing this team without like a bunch of Bat Family, right? Yeah. If there was only a set that's going to have a bunch of Bat Family coming in soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I was actually going to ask you about that because I had Vigilante Justice on my team. But with that new Batman set announcement, I don't think it's going to be yeah. that effective of a removal anymore. Yeah, yeah I actually had... Uh, one one variation of this, I had uh, 
vigilante justice and uh, escape incarceration so I could just move stuff every time I use a fist too. And I really want those actions to work, but I just don't think it's necessary, especially now. I think there's going to be a decent number of Bat family characters. Plus, I mean, Dick Grayson does have his global if they can avoid it that way, but that would have to be timing stuff. Yeah, this, so. this seems like it's one of those teams where it'd be really nice if you could add in another two or three basic actions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, I find it really frustrating because I have, have the, this team worked out. I took it to a tournament, and I have Ronan on there for protection. I have some control with Raven and all the cards we've talked about. And I, I feel like I cover all my bases, but it's just not clicking. It's like, like um, I win, yeah. but it's like Almost janky. It's you just, just yeah. weird. Yeah. You just yeah. have too many moving parts type, right. of, type of a situation. Like that. That's where uh, me putting in a polymorph came from was right. because I just couldn't get it to sync up. I mean, a lot of it came down to I just wasn't rolling right. And I was like, well... I, I need to be able to get around that because this right. thing needs both of these. Increase in the field. your chances of I, getting them in the field I, somehow. Absolutely. If I want to win ever, I have to have both of these in the field. Yeah. That's why I was thinking of adding a parallax to my team because, uh, again, since I, I'm kind of more along Russ where it's mostly a mask team that I'll be running, and you guys know how amazing my roles are, I probably could get parallax <laughs> on the field and get some additional dice because I'll roll all right. masks. You could you could do what, what I do on my Doomsday team and put a clay face and then have back for seconds as your basic action. So that if you don't roll them, you know, you can turn one of them to a mask to get the get the underdog and then play back for seconds and get your Dick Grayson in the field at level three, which is where you want him anyway. Yeah. Batman, it doesn't matter what level he's in the field at. He's level two. Level two. He's always level two. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, that's what he, it is. He will be level two. Now, the one card I did see that spoiled that interests me on this team is the rare Hurley Quint or uh, Hurley. Yeah, I, I think Harley you have Quinn. to have two yeah. Yeah. villains on the field all over. Right. So I, I'd have to tweak that. Baron Zemo is a villain, but I'm going to have not gonna him be on the coming out of the often, field. Yeah. But her ability of uh, you gain one life, they lose a life, is just going to start to bring things yeah. down so, too. See, that, that, that was the part when I was playing this. I'm like, I really that's I felt like I was missing because I'd be whittling myself down. And I'm, I've developed a really bad habit of not blocking efficiently. Yeah. So that's how I've lost my games is just because they're outfielding me in terms of characters and swinging in. Oh, without without life gain, it it's a adrenaline team because you are really just going down a cliff and hoping you have them land before you do, right? So it's. You know, I'm really frustrated. Make- this team frustrates me. It should be <laughs> so good. You know what would really just pump up your team a little bit is a, a rare scarecrow. Like you just throw that on your team. <laughs> yeah, that will get you that other villain that you need. <laughs> but the only KOing I'm doing is my own Batman every time I use a fist. Uh-huh. I think heroic defense is really going to help it out because it's going to like I said, yeah, I gain yeah. a life, you lose a life. Heroic defense could be really strong. But then, you know, Dick Grayson's still not your win condition. No, at that point, if, like you're using, if you're using heroic <laughs> defense, you want to use Baron Zemo yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, see, and if I had... It's if, probably if, good if, to have him as a backup, I guess. In Golden, yeah, right? In Golden, I would add a villain maker, possibly maybe, maybe Iron Man like Industrialist. A, like a transfer power or a... Um, or um like a Kal-El global and then just use Baron Zemo and just throw Dick Grayson away. 
Because, I mean, then, I mean, you're, you're dealing only the had, damage with Baron Zemo. You can flip his defense, which is higher. Or with transfer power, if he's unblockable, you just take whatever their highest stat is and slap yeah, it on he, Baron But you realize the combo is as big a part of the, <laughs> as the win, right? It's, it's not. We're brewing a team that's going to work efficiently here. You want to build it around this Dick Grayson thing, but I'm just saying Dick Grayson's it's not so viable. Cool. Yeah, like one of my favorite teams to put together that wasn't like the traditional Bat family was a Dick Grayson team because the first time I played it, my opponent's like, why, why are you re-rolling that Alfred like 20 different times? Because like, well, he's getting boosted up every time I do it. Every once in a while, you just have to accept the fact that your card is a fizzle card and isn't going to work the way no. you want it to work. No. No, I think he's a fizzle card. He is such a hammer. Like it's one of those things that he's he's not a he's not a completely guaranteed hammer. But even on his small side with that, uh, with the Luke Cage global and that Batman, even on a small side, I mean, you if you roll three fisks, you take him from being a three attack to a uh, what is it nine attack? Yeah, sure, I understand. And he's unblockable. I understand. You, I understand. You, he can get really big, and he can hit you like kill kill them in one hit. The thing is, it's it sounds like it's too hard to get him to that point. Or are you just like uncomfortable with the amount of Richard jokes that happen when somebody no. plays a big <laughs> So, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, think I made one of those jokes, but I mean, you're talking like your your components are. First, you have to have Dick Grayson. You have to have Dick Grayson in the field. You have to have Batman in the field. You have to roll fists. You don't have other fists on your team. And you have to no, roll see, enough I, that's going to make I it I got worth mindless one. I, so I don't have him. to roll fists. I either get his fists or I get him in the field and he hits me. And that's why with me being at, like laser focused on making Dick Grayson work, I bring the swarming goblins so I do get more fists. Right. And we all but know then, how I work At the same swarm, time, I mean, so if they have something happen. like a Ronin or a Lex, Lex Luthor wouldn't work because of the... Is it would Lex Luthor work the uncommon if you only attack with Dick or would, Luke, would Luke Cage cancel him out? Luke Cage cancels because it's the first time. Is it the first time? Yeah. It's the first time a character would deal damage, though, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. if they have something to eat the damage from your one giant beat stick, I mean, he's gonna be useless. Yeah, I think. And so it's, you need it's a cold fairly, gun or it's fairly on easy this. to counter, and it's not fast enough. I feel like it's not fast enough. There's too many pieces to it. That's just me. Unless you have this coming from the guy that uses like super long teams. <laughs> My super long teams are super <laughs> effective. Hey, okay, so it just doesn't yeah, work like we, I want it to. We yeah. know what this team is, yeah. And if yeah. anyone else has, yeah, we want to hear your input because I, I think help us. somebody's brewing brewing a similar team. We want to hear yeah. what you guys put on your team. In Golden, stuff. for sure, I would throw on Black Manta. How are you ramping up maker? to Dick Grayson? How do you get to him? On the team, swarming or superhero registration yeah. for me. I've told you I haven't actually fielded him yet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I w- <laughs> Maybe that's why your team is fizzling a little bit. You need some way to get to him. Yeah. It, it wins. It just doesn't feel smooth. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of our the the Batman team that we've been brewing up. So again, we want to hear from you guys. Russ has decided to bring in a mystery team that he's a, I'm going to surprise you guys on the podcast. So what is on this mystery team that you're brewing together? Okay, so you know the one combo I've been working with, with static, the the common static, when they roll two or more dice, you deal them a damage. You deal a damage somewhere. to a character. Right. And then Agent Venom and Venom. So Agent Venom, yes, Spider-Man character. Agent Venom is when Venom takes damage but is not KO'd, you may fill the sidekick from your used... Pile or 
prep area. So basically that is kind of the, the core combo mm-hmm. in this. To build up your sidekicks. So you can start yeah. fielding a bunch right. of yep. sidekicks. So you get static in the field, then you get Agent Venom in the field, and you just ping your Agent Venom. You field your sidekicks, which really kind of moves your bag, right, because you don't have all that fluff yeah. mm-hmm. in the bag. So then I have Venom, the uncommon from Civil War. Civil War. That when Venom is active, if one sidekick character dies, costs one more to field. And while Venom is active, when you're when you, when you feel, feel the sidekick, sidekick, they take one damage. Yep. So every time they roll to die, basically, if you if you get all three of these in the field, every time they roll the dice, they're taking a damage, and you're fielding a character, which is really nice when it happens. It happens quite a bit in casual play. But I got to get there. Yeah, it's because the right. Venom and the Agent Venom are five, five and, and six, six. So they're a little yeah. costly, too. Right. But in the right setting, I've pulled this combo off a number of times, and it is a lot of fun and very If you can get them in the field, it is very hard to deal with. So That's, that's one that's uh, really similar to an old combo that I used when, uh, when that Spider-Man set first came out. I used that Agent Venom with uh, Human Torch from AVX so that... And then something to ping him, ideally with a bolt. I, I'd use Iceman, and ideally would do it on my opponent's turn. I would, like, Magic Missile or something like that, my uh, Agent Venom on my opponent's turn, field a sidekick, triggering Human Torch to hit my opponent for one, and a character, I'd hit Agent Venom again. Keep doing that until Agent Venom was almost out of defense, which I want to say on his big side he's like six defense. But he has a global that yeah, can boost up his also, defense. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. <laughs> I would take the Iceman, too cool for words, use that global to roll all of those uh, sidekicks. sidekicks that I just fielded, roll them into bolts, uh, pay one to buff up his defense with all of those, moving them back into the use pile, and then ping him, bringing in sidekicks, and it... Yeah, you're, you're doing this yeah. like it's, a load of damage on your opponent's turn. Yeah, it, it's an, if you've got... The, the pieces in place, it can very quickly be essentially an infinite loop and really, really, really frustrating for someone playing against. <laughs> Are you done yet? Can I finish my turn? Yeah, the yeah, Agent Venom is really an overlook card, I think. Yeah, using can... static with that and, and the uncommon Venom from Civil War sounds like it could be a lot of fun. Right, mm-hmm. so originally what I put this together for was to try to flow the bag, right? So I looked at Parallax, which we all know I don't like Parallax. So the idea was to just build a bunch of sidekicks, use a, a mask, re-roll all my sidekicks, then I have all my energy, right? and then I can do what I want with it. But as I was, we've been, Jared and I have been talking about Teen Titans lately, because I think you can put a clamp on like Ultraman type stuff with a Teen Titan with Raven, keep things blocked. So... As I was looking at this team, I realized that I actually only have one character that wouldn't be protected by Raven if I did all Teen Titans, which would be oh, yeah. Agent Venom, mm-hmm. which unless they're blanking him, I don't care if they're pinging him. Yeah, ping away. Hit him. So uh, I have, and then this also started from our Chaos Draft because I played Kevin and he had this awesome Wonder Girl that the rare Wonder Girl was... While Wonder Girl is active, the first time each turn a sidekick is KO'd, an opponent deal one damage to your opponent. So by basically, an opponent, by, right? by an opponent. Yeah. So basically, the idea is now 
which, you know, is kind of strange for me. Filled all the sidekicks, attack each turn. Filled all the sidekicks, attack each turn. And so if they block not, one, that's... If so block that's one, cool. you're going to take the damage. If not, yeah, they're coming you're still through. Taking the damage. Ideally, they're taking one damage when... Both when uh, your sidekick hits the field and when it leaves the field, regardless yeah. of whether it's being KO'd or they're just taking it right. and it's going through. And then you block. add Rare Raven to it. And then I think the three-cost Beast Boy, Gar, um, especially because I've been drawn like billions of them. What we should do is take a picture and post them on our Facebook page because I think they're pretty awesome. Yeah, you got so, a ton of them. So he's, you know, he gets plus two, and he actually becomes pretty tough to deal with if you got a, if you got a field. And then uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the other pieces to it, Teen Titan-wise. I'm thinking that the Adam, I don't have a rare cyborg, or that'd probably be there for sure. Yeah, that rare cyborg <laughs> would be awesome with that. I think so, so tough. Um, the common Adam, I think, is a way to go with the spin, so I can spin up. Um, yeah, he's, he's the one where you spin him down a level, and he th- or spin him to level one, right? Or right. he's a, a level... Right. And it deals three damage to a character of your choice. Yeah. And then this sounds weird, but the one I was thinking of, so I can keep spinning my Adam up and also possibly provide some churn would be Robin, the the OP. The promo Robin? Yeah. You're going to play with it. <laughs> You're going to buy it? <laughs> are you, you going to field it? What? Yeah. Because his ability, for all of you who don't know, is while Robin is active, if you have Teen Titans on an energy face in your reserve pool during your main step, you may spin down a Teen Titan die to spin up a Teen Titan die. So it's kind of a indirect um, polymorph global. Yeah, You just bring polymorph. Yeah, I know. And, and, and then he has a global pay as shield once per turn. If you have purchased a character die this turn, you may draw a die from your bag and add it to your prep area. The global's probably what I would use it for, but it's a Teen Titan. I don't... Why? Just... <laughs> I can think just, of a couple things that I would rather have. Just use Polymorph and Resurrection, team. man. Yeah. If if I were if I were building a team like this, and then Starfire Super Rare. Oh, sure. Just, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. no, <laughs> well, if you're playing T Titan, yeah. she's it, she's a must. Yeah. She's, I'm like, it, I, don't know, I feel I like you've got like the, uh, too much win condition there. Move, you've got okay. You've got the the Venom Agent Venom that's that's filling your field with sidekicks, and then and you're throwing and then you're throwing the sidekicks at them. It's like, why would you ever buy Starfire? It just seems like... But what else would I put on it, right? Just more... I would Titans. put something to buff your sidekicks, maybe. Like, like a Wong Agent Coulson. Plus that, one, plus one or something. Yeah, but then they're not... Then they're not getting... Any, yeah. It doesn't matter. If you're playing against, like, an Ultraman team, you have Agent Venom in the field. You can't... Unless all of your characters are protected, it's not going to stop it. Right, so if I played an Ultraman, Agent Venom doesn't go in. You don't get to pick your cards after you look at your opponent's team. No, he no, no, no. I don't buy that die. Oh, you don't purchase it. Yeah, I take Pur- the other approach with Starfire, right? There's a lot of flexibility there where I can go full Team Titan or I can go the way I'd like with... <laughs> what, what basic actions are you planning on going with this? Because this is a cost-heavy team. Well, there's a lot of threes and fours. What I would go superhero simply because when they buy it, I don't mind if they keep KO on their sidekicks or... Or if I KO my sidekicks for that, I feel like you got to fit in that rare cyborg on your team. Yeah, oh, I oh that would not even be a question. Be totally like I mean, you, you brought all these cards. You brought like an eight card team. Where, I don't 
own it. Oh, you I don't said own that. it? Oh, okay. <laughs> I said that. Yeah, definitely he needs to be on the team. I'd probably take out that Robin. Oh, I would take out team. the Robin or the Adam. Or the Adam. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd take out the Robin way before you come up with a replacement for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good idea. Yeah. But yeah, Wait, doesn't Cyborg Robin have a blank version too? Plus, I mean, if you if you have Cyborg, I mean, and you're putting sidekicks in the field, you can energy fix one out if you need a shield or you need to buy Does something. Does he have energy spectrum. fixer? Yeah, yeah he's got the, the, he's the, got the, the, the shield fixer. energy fixer oh. on him. See, I don't own him, but now I want him. Yeah. Really bad. He's really, really so good. So I don't want to trade really the KO good. King a... Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if any of you guys had one for trade, actually. But, so... Yeah, I'm so thinking I may have just with, pulled one actually. With, <laughs> with this team, understand cyborg is a want in there. Even his common or uncommon, I think, would probably fit in there. I think. I think when we were talking about countering an Ultraman team in modern, I think if you get him and you get Raven out, or even just the 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 two the two cost Wonder Girl that also protects Teen Titan characters, you you've basically shut it down right there. I mean, they can't target it. And you've got the stop to overcrush right there. If that's if that's the way they decide to go, I think that's a solid counter. Um, but you need at least those. At least at least you need cyborg in a team. I know. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's kind of this mystery team. What, what are you calling this team? I don't know. Uh, Sidekickers. Something with sidekicks. Teen Venoms. Okay. Something or, with or, Venom. <laughs> yeah. Um, we want to hear what you guys think. What what should Russ put in um, and you know, Static if, Venom. If, if if you want to give him crap for the Robin, oh, oh one, go ahead. one more go quick ahead question. Uh, why why not just bring Magic Missile? Sorry, Unstable Canister. Why don't you just bring Unstable Canister? I don't like those. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's the same so, reason. It's the same reason because I know the one comment we're going to get on the Batman team is Alfred. There's certain cards that like. Russ is a Russ is a dice <laughs> yeah. master's hipster, I'm and not, if it's a mainstream card, he won't put yeah, it on his. Notice team. how he stopped playing <laughs> Scarecrow. I'm uh, not a hipster. It's just, it's yeah. It's, it's you like to highlight fruit. other yeah. cards, yeah. 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 But exactly. and, and, anyway, so we want to hear from you guys. Um, shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Um, gentlemen. Thank you so much. I always love brewing. Um, and if you guys want a real-life version of this, just come down to one of our events and be prepared to be sitting outside in the parking lot for three to four hours. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of the Double Burst Podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. Did we forget something in our Beginner's Guide to Agro, or do you want to send it in a team that we can talk on Brewing Buddies? Let us know. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Of course, check out doubleburst.com for a place to subscribe to the show so you can automatically get these episodes as they come out. Big thanks to Game Haven Sandy for giving us a place to record. If you guys live in Utah, make sure you check them out, and if not, check them out online at yourgamehaven.com. Of course, big thanks to everybody who listens to the show. Everybody on the team appreciates it. And until next time, my friends, may your dice rolls be ever in your favor. Thank you.